All right, well, once upon a time, because that's how all good stories start, right? I don't know if this is a good story, but I started it with once upon a time. Once upon a time, I was cleaning out my garage, you know, one of those exciting chores that just need to be done. The garage had encroached upon our ability to park a vehicle, so I needed to fight the garage back to the walls. You know that chore? Anybody ever done that chore? So I, I, I got busy, with, and, and so I was, I, this, was, this is what I wanted to tackle. So I hooked my phone up to the speaker so I could play music in the garage and have something to uh, entertain, right, while I was doing the work. So I started it up. It was a great song. And, and then I got focused on what I was doing, and I just began fighting this garage back to under control. And I, and I was focused on what I was doing, and I, and I was working really hard. And so then it wasn't until, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes later, I realized that that song that I really liked when I first put it on was now becoming really annoying 20 or 30 minutes later. And so I went back over to my phone and I realized my phone was on repeat mode. Has that ever happened to you? So while I was focused and working on the garage, the same song, which I had liked, had played over and over and over again. Uh, and I also thought this week uh, about that old movie Groundhog Day featuring Bill Murray. Bill Murray's character finds himself uh, waking up each morning to the same day on the calendar, right? Every morning he wakes up, he finds himself facing the same day, the same event, the same conversations. Uh, let's take a look at this quick video. He got tired of that alarm clock. He didn't want the same day to happen again. He didn't want the same thing to repeat over and over again. But no matter what he did, the same day just kept coming. The same thing over and over again. And, uh, and I swerve from these silly examples to why I'm up here and why I teach God's word is I think that the sin in my life, I don't know about you, but I think the sin in my life can feel like that often, like it's on repeat mode. I want to move on. I want to get past it. And instead, like Bill Murray and the alarm clock, frustration builds. Am I the only one? Anybody resonate? Maybe we ask ourselves the question, maybe we sometimes feel, am I doomed to repeat mode? With the sins that I, that I struggle with, am I doomed to just repeat things over and over again? For me, as a follower of Jesus, uh, I am certainly a work in progress. You have heard that from me as you've gotten to know me, that I am far from perfect and far from ar arrived in my journey of following Jesus, and none of us will be arrived until we look Jesus in the eyes, right? My uh, ongoing struggle, one of my ongoing struggles, is with what I'd like to say is a, I'd like to used to refer to it as a quick temper, because it sounds kind of like a mild way to put it. What the Bible refers to today, though, is fits of rage, fits of anger. 
And, and it kills me to come up and say that this is part of my ongoing battle with my sinful nature because I've taught this passage before and it's been a few years and I talked about my struggle with anger then. Um, now, I, I'm, I'm thankful to say that I am seeing progress and transformation by the Spirit. Maybe not as fast as I'd like. And we're going to talk about some of that today. Uh, these fits of anger for me look, uh, result in um, over-the-top, harsh, loud responses. And uh, the part that kills me is most often it's directed toward the ones I love the most. Sometimes I feel doomed to repeat mode. Do you relate? What if there's a way out of that mess? What if we're not doomed to repeat? That would change everything, wouldn't it? So here we are in a series of messages teaching through God's uh, word, a letter, to call, a letter to the Galatians, and our series is called This Changes Everything because the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the fact that God sent his son, that Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, the gospel changes everything. We're not doomed to repeat mode because God is at work. So grab your, if you already uh, opened your Bible, we're in Galatians chapter 5. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 16. Keep your finger in God's word. We want to hear from him this morning. Father God, we come to you and we put ourselves before you. Help us to submit ourselves to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength that we would hear from you through your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 5, starting at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So what's going on here when it's talking about flesh? We're not talking about our physical body. God created our physical body. It, our, our physical body, our flesh, it is not bad in and of itself. The Bible here, when it speaks of flesh, is re really referring to our sinful nature. Our desires and heart are the drives and the desires of our heart that are in rebellion against God. Now, what about, what about these desires? Our desires and our drives are God-given, and they have purpose, and they are good. Our desires and, and drives are God-given. But what we're going to find in this passage of Scripture today is that there are these over-desires. There are these times when our sinful nature, our flesh, causes us to follow through with these inordinate desires that are, that are beyond healthy, that are, that are out-of-control passions and desires. So let's look at verse 17 again. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So quick, three quick thoughts to set the stage here this morning. First of all, the road to our growth, the road to spiritual growth, the road to growing and following Jesus goes through the battlefield. 
Those verses just made it clear that, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God at work within us, and, and the flesh are opposed to one another. There's a battle going on. There's a conflict between our sinful nature and the Spirit's desire to transform us. But verse 16 gives us hope. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, we are not doomed to continually repeat the passions of the sinful nature. Walking by the Spirit will help you win the battle against the sinful nature. Living by the Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit in you, you won't follow through on your sinful desires. Verse 17 shows us that there is this conflict between flesh and spirit, and yet the Holy Spirit is already making us new. The Holy Spirit is already at work transforming. The Holy Spirit is giving us a new heart, new mind, new desires. So yes, there is a conflict between flesh and the Spirit, but the Spirit has already begun making everything new. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit within you, and the Spirit is beginning this transforming work that will be completed when Jesus returns or when we see him face to face. So again, 16 is encouraging. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right. So now the passage helps us take a little bit of, an, uh, of a closer look at these over-desires of the sinful nature, these out-of-control passions. So let's look at verse 19 and following. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Fun to read, fun to hear. These, these are the things that come natural to our sinful nature, left to our own. If we are up to our own efforts and, and abilities and, and our own resources and, and, and following our sinful nature, these are the over-desires. These are, are the out-of-control passions that would result. And I need to go through these really quickly. So if you're a note taker, I wouldn't try to take notes. I would say, that let's just try to listen and hear from God here. Uh, we're going to go through each of these desires really quickly. You could always listen to a sermon online if you really wanted to catch a detail. But right now, I would just encourage us, let's consider these. Let's hear these. And let's ask the Spirit, let's ask God to convict us where needed. We're going to look at these over-desires of the sinful nature, and we're going to look at them in four groups. And the first grouping uh, has to do with sexuality. Sexual immorality. Sex between unmarried people. Impurity. Unnatural sexual practices or relationships. Sensuality. Uncontrolled sexuality or indecency. The bottom line here 
as we look at God's teaching, as we look at biblical teaching about sexual uh, interaction and sexual desires, is this, that God's intention, that God's best, that his best purposes, that God's design for our sexual relationships and sexual desires is for that to be fulfilled and even enjoyed in, in, in what setting? Between one man and one woman who have been joined in covenant marriage. Those are God-given desires that are to be enjoyed and fulfilled in that setting. And anything outside of that, that's what this list is saying, anything outside of that setting is an over-desire, is an out-of-control passion. The next grouping has to do with religion, or perhaps it's better to say with bad religion. The next, the, the next couple in the list here are idolatry. This is when we substitute something where God should be, where we put something else as a substitute for God, something, by the way, that's inadequate and not worthy of worship, but yet we find and hold important in our lives on this, on this side of heaven, and we somehow elevate these things that draw our attention to a place where God should be, that's idolatry. We, we, we idolize our work. We idolize our children sometimes and put the, their needs and their life ahead of God in our lives. Uh, we could go on and on. Sorcery. This would be witchcraft, sorcery, anything where we're messing around with the powers of evil or messing around with faking the work of the Holy Spirit. So as we go through this list, it's not fun to hear, but what are we doing here? Let's hear from God's word. As we go through this list, let's ask the Spirit to show us where he has work to do in our over-desires. Which, uh, which of these are present in our life? The next grouping has to do with relationships. It seems like the, this next large grouping has th are things that harm our relationships with other people. They're, they're destructive attitudes that destroy and, and take away from God's best and best for us as we interact with others. Enmity. This is hatred, hostility, being adversarial. Strife. This is causing discord, being argumentative, seeking to pick fights. Jealousy. Jealousy arises from the need to feed a hungry ego. Fits of anger. Outbursts of rage. I mentioned earlier, this is probably one of my biggest uh, ongoing battles with the flesh. I can feel stuck on repeat. I need help in this area. Rivalry. Rivalry is having selfish ambition, kind of a hyper-competitiveness with a self-seeking motive. We're, 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 we're at odds with others. We're ultra-competitive because of, of, so we can exalt self. Dissensions, division. This is anything where we cause warring, division, disagreement between people or between groups of people. The Bible is clear against divisive people. Envy is when we covet, when we have a desire for the things that other people have, when we're envious, when what God has given us is not adequate. Now look at these uh, two columns on the left. 
Look at the, t- or not the two columns, but the two groupings on the left. Don't we sometimes think of those two groupings as the really bad ones? I think we, we, we sometimes we'll look at sin and we kind of classify and group it. And we go, those are the really, really bad ones. But look at that other list. Those are here in this list. Those two are acts of the flesh. Those two are over-desires of our sinful nature. The last grouping um, has to do with substance abuse, uh, addictions to substances or behavior uh, for pleasure, for our own purposes and pleasure. Drunkenness, drinking alcohol, is drinking, I should say, drinking some alcohol is not the problem. The Bible is clear that being drunk is. And then it lists orgies. And these two words are actually linked, it seems. And so I think it has less to do with what, uh, sex orgies and more to do with drinking orgies. Again, substance abuse, drinking too much, out of control desires of the flesh. So look at those lists. Where might God be speaking to you? Where might God want to transform you? Where might, by his power, he continue to make a difference for you, uh, in you, as you follow Jesus? We tend to notice um, the sinful nature in other people, don't we? But we, we can't overlook our own battles and where God wants to do work here. The acts of the flesh are indicators of, of spiritual danger. That, those lists we just reviewed are indicators of spiritual danger. Verse 21 says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, those who continually indulge in the passions of the sinful nature. In other words, those that don't battle. That just let the sinful nature run. That just let those over-desires be fulfilled in whatever manner. Those that don't fight against these over-desires, these acts of the flesh, lives that are, that are represented by that kind of stuff ongoing, verse 21, I think, indicates that you have not been rescued by Christ from your sin, and we are doomed. In a life apart from Jesus, we are doomed to repeat mode and and into life apart from God. Eternal separation, hell. But what if there's a way out of repeat mode? A way not to indulge our sinful natures. That would change everything, right? What if we don't, what if we're not stuck in repeat mode? What if we can resist these over-desires? What if we can fight in the conflict between flesh and spirit? Let's keep reading. Verse 22. But the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit of God, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That previous list we looked at were over-desires of the flesh. This list that, we're, that we just read is spirit-grown characteristics of a, of a growing follower of Jesus. We have, we have desires of the flesh, and now we have this glorious list that is, that is characteristics of what Christians are becoming by the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And, and, and acts, of the, acts of the flesh are because of the nature of sin, the entrance of sin into our life, and, and, and the destruction of those things that we listed on the screen. These characteristics we just read are spirit-produced. The sins of the flesh are, are natural. The fruit of the spirit is supernatural, produced by God. And again, I'm going to list these very quickly, but man, I, we can't take time to look at the scary ones and the sad ones and the hard ones without taking some time to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, can we? So let's go through these quickly as well, because the fruit of the Spirit is indicator of spiritual growth and health. If those other lists, if that other list was indicators of spiritual danger, what we're looking at now are indicators of spiritual growth and health in our life. So as we look at, the, at these, let's ask God to show us where he's at work on us in these areas as well. The longer you follow Jesus, Faith Church, if you're a follower of Jesus, the longer you follow Jesus, he will produce all of these in you. The longer you follow Jesus, uh, these are the characteristics that the Spirit is working within you. So right now, we can look at them, and let's ask, God, where are you working right now? Which fruit of the Spirit are you, are you desiring to transform and add to me? Love. Love. Valuing someone. Valuing someone so much that we unselfishly care for them, serve them for their good, not for what we get out of it. Love. And I think we should note that you, you, you see that love leads this list. Leads this list. And in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, you can check that out later if you want. Jot that down, 1 Corinthians 13, read it later. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that we can do a lot of things, that we could serve other people. But if we have not love, we're nothing. We gain nothing. So the list starts with love as, as something that the Spirit is desiring to produce in you as followers of Jesus. Joy, a delight in God because of the, sheer, uh, of the sheer delight that you have in, in the truth of who God is. Joy is enjoying God and, and having, um, recognizing him and his worth and his worthiness and, and not having that joy be dependent on circumstances or, or whether we feel blessed or not. That kind of joy is spirit-produced. 
is supernatural. Peace, a deep confidence and rest in the wisdom and control of God. Wouldn't it be great to have peace and be at rest in God's goodness and his control and not needing to be in control ourselves? Patience, what's patience? The ability to face trouble without blowing up. And this is what I need when my children drive me crazy or disobey. Growth in this fruit of the spirit would, would help me not be stuck in repeat mode of my outbursts of rage. Spirit-produced patience, the ability to encounter trouble without blowing up, would really come in handy for me. And so asking God to do that, to, to increasingly produce that. Kindness, the ability to serve others in practical ways, not manipulating with our good deeds, not doing good deeds to earn favor or, or get extra credit with God, but serving and giving and exhibiting kindness because that's what God is about and because what he is producing in our life. Goodness, integrity, goodness. Being the same person in every situation, not phony. Faithfulness, this loyalty, this courage, this, this being utterly reliable to your, to your word, true to your word, faithfulness. Gentleness, a posture of humility, not being superior or self-absorbed. Self-control, the ability to pursue important over the urgent. Self-control, the ability to pursue what's important over what's urgent or, or what just jumps at us and takes our attention. Not being impulsive. I need self-control when I get frustrated and angry. Uh, it feels urgent to me to correct my children. It feels urgent to correct them so that I have control, so that I can be a good, good parent, so that I can have good kids. But I need God's spirit to help me choose what is more important than what feels urgent. And what is more important is that I demonstrate love and what is more important is my relationship with them. Yes, we discipline. Yes, we correct. But self-control is me, by the Spirit's help, choosing what is more important than what is urgent. This is how the Spirit is helping me get out of repeat mode. I told you a few minutes ago I was sad to come and teach this text again and to recognize about myself that, that my fits of rage are, are still an ongoing battle, but I'm also thrilled and thankful that I can say that in the years since teaching this, I have seen leaps and bounds of increased fruit of the Spirit and fighting the battle of the flesh, not because of me, but because of what God is doing in me and what he wants to do with you. I want to reflect for just a minute about something that you'll have an opportunity to discuss this week in your gospel community. 
as we thought about those lists, we looked first at the list of the, uh, the acts of the sinful nature, right? And we think about where is God working in our lives? Where might he be convicting me that I need to grow in, that, in, in fighting that area of sin? And we also looked at the list of the fruit of the Spirit and the things that God wants to produce in us, these Spirit-given desires, have you, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, have you experienced some victory over reducing in those inordinate desires? Yes, I hope so, have you? If you're a follower of Jesus, have you, have you experienced some victory and some reduction in those desires? And have you also experienced growth in the fruit of the Spirit, being transformed into the image of Jesus? And if you were to tell that story, this is something you're going to talk about in your gospel community. If you were to tell that story to someone else, if you were going to tell uh, someone of how you had been rescued by Jesus or how you were you're moving from, away from these desires and toward these desires, if you told that story, let me ask you this question, who would be the hero of that story? Yeah. I hear the church answer. That's good. Jesus should be the hero of that story. If you tell the story of, of being rescued from sin and death and brought into new life because of Jesus, Jesus ought to be the hero of that story, right? And if you tell the story of, of increasing victory over sin and, and, and re reducing those sinful desires and fighting the battle of the flesh and, in, and growing in the fruit of the Spirit, if you tell that story, Jesus should be the hero of that story. So we need to work on telling these stories because I think if we're not careful, who comes out to be the hero of those stories? If we're not careful, we're going to tell somebody the good news about Jesus, and it was how I tried hard to be a good person that I went to church in. And we're leading people to doom and death and hell and repeat mode. So we've got to tell the story with Jesus as hero, with Jesus as only rescuer, with spirit as only sanctifier. With me? So you have a chance to talk about that in your gospel communities. So I wanted, I'm, hoping that this, um, I'm hoping that this text is helping us uh, ask God to show us where he wants us to grow spiritually. Because we said uh, that the fruit of the Spirit is an indicator of spiritual health and growth. We said that a few minutes ago. The fruit of the Spirit is an indicator of spiritual growth. So if we're seeing increased supernatural, Spirit-given desires and growth in the fruit of the Spirit, then we are growing spiritually. We are walking with Jesus. We are becoming more like him. And think about that contrast again. It'll be on the screen now. The acts of the flesh are indicators of spiritual danger, but, but, but increasing in the fruit of the Spirit is an indicator of spiritual growth. What if there's a way out of that danger zone? What if there's a way not to be stuck in repeat mode? And instead, what if there's a way to spur spiritual growth? Will it change everything? The gospel changes everything. The good news of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And our passage gives us the answer here. We are urged in this passage to live in step with the Holy Spirit. 
There's, and by the way, this is important. There's no living in step with the Spirit if you are not a Jesus follower. If you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, if you have not recognized that you can't save yourself, if you have not instead turned to him and trusting yourself in him, putting your faith in him and asking to be saved, there is no keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. There is no fruit of the Spirit increasing in your life if you are not a true follower of Jesus. So, if you're not sure, trust him today. Put your faith in Jesus instead of trying to live on your own and trying to please God on your own and trying to get by on your own and trying to just survive this world and trust yourself to Jesus. Realize you can't do it on your own. And when we become a follower of Jesus, we receive the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches that when we entrust ourselves to Jesus, God himself, the Holy Spirit, comes to live within us. And, and, and he is with us, and he is guiding us, and he is empowering us, and he is beginning to change us. And we've talked about this process of sanctification. It's just a fancy word that means we're becoming more like Jesus as we follow Jesus. So... Let's think about, look in, the, look in your Bible at that fruit of the Spirit again. And isn't this encouraging? Not just some of those are in store for you. All of them. It's not you might get one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's the Spirit produces these in you, period, as you follow Jesus. Not only has God rescued you from sin and death, he is changing you from the inside out. So how can this battle between flesh and spirit be won? How can this internal tug of war be won? The spirit of God can overcome my sinful nature. This changes everything. The spirit of God can overcome your battle with the flesh. So let's look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Our salvation and our transformation is God's work. We don't earn it. And so that verse, those verses we just read, 24 and 25, call us to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires and to live by the Spirit. The first thing we need to do is put to death our old self. Crucify the flesh. We put to death our old self. This means we repent, we turn away from that and to Jesus. And then we need to, friends, this is a practical thought. We need to starve out our sin with God's help we need to turn from that old self. We need to turn from that lifestyle. We need to turn away from sin. We need to repent and turn to Jesus. But we also, with God's help, need to do whatever we can to starve out those desires, those over-desires, those inordinate desires, those out-of-control passions of the flesh. And what do I mean by starve things out? I mean that we do whatever it takes, like Bill Murray with the clock. Every day kept coming, and he kept fighting it, and it kept getting worse and worse damage to the clock. He's, he's, he was trying to starve it out, starve out the sin, do whatever it takes so that this thing doesn't keep coming back at me. Put my computer in a public place in my house. 
Get rid of a smartphone if that's what it takes. Go back to texting where you have to press the same button three times to get a certain letter. (laughs) Empty the liquor cabinet if that's what it takes. Throw away the stash. Give permission to people around you to step in when you're sinning. Give permission to people you love to grab your arm and call you out of that mess. Confess your sins to fellow followers of Jesus. Tell the truth about your life. Find relationships within your church family where you can know and be known and where you can confess your sins and where you can receive love and grace from God through fellow followers of Jesus. Do whatever it takes. Without those kind of things in place, and I could go on and on, couldn't I? What are the practical steps to starving out the sin? Whatever God put on your heart earlier from that list of of acts of the flesh where he might want to grow you and help you more, what are the practical ways to starve out that sin? Yes, the battle is spiritual. Yes, we need to walk with Jesus. Yes, the Spirit will transform you. But do the practical stuff too. Please fight. Fight. Don't be with that person. Don't. Don't go to that place. Starve out the sin. If we don't have those kind of things in place, we're not starving it out. We're just going back to it. Because it's an over-desire. And I like it. And it feels good. If we don't starve it out, we're just going back to it. But as we fight the battle, as we fight in this conflict between flesh and spirit... Friends, church family, you are not alone in that battle. That battle is not reliant on your own power, your own efforts, your own abilities. This passage is teaching us to live in step with the Spirit, and I say that living in step with the Spirit does starve out sin. It will. As you walk with the Spirit, as you draw close to God, The Spirit starves out sin. Remember verse 17? Walk by the Spirit and you will, what? Not not gratify those desires. Not, Not follow through on those temptations. Live by the Spirit. There is victory over sin. Live by the Spirit and that sin will be starved out. And verse 25 reminds us that we must continually pursue the ways of the Spirit. We want to live lives, uh, our daily lives, under the control of the Spirit. Wouldn't it be great as followers of Jesus to find ourselves uh, following where the Spirit leads, obeying what God puts in front of us? How do we do that? When I feel myself about to rage, practical steps are helpful, yes, But I need more than that. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I need need the practical steps and the help and the people around me and confess my sin and get myself out of those circumstances. 
But what I really need is transformation. What I really need is to learn to live by the Spirit. Louis, would you help me out with something? Could you come up here? It's really easy. Well, I think it's easy. <laughs> come on up here. Okay. So, so easy, easy, easy. Okay, let's start over here. Okay, let's start over here. So all I need you to do is demonstrate for our family uh, how to keep in step with me. You don't have to worry about the Holy Spirit yet. Just keep in step with me, okay? So I'm going to walk across the stage, and I'll go on this side so they can see you, okay? You know, you know, so she'll try to keep in step with me. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. Let's thank him. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's good. So, so was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But, he, but what was he trying to do? He's trying to keep in step with me. We're looking as followers of Jesus for how we can keep in step with the Spirit. The Scripture is full of be imitators of God, right? Follow Jesus. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. That's what we're going to look like, though. Trying to be in step with the Spirit, right? I can't, I can't be perfect. I don't know what the Spirit's going to do. I haven't done this before. I don't know when he's going to step. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm looking for how can God help me to, to do what I'm seeing, to obey what I'm hearing from the Spirit. That's what keeping in step looks like. How do we know what to imitate then? Louis had to just imitate my physical steps, my, my legs, my feet. What do we, as followers of Jesus, obey? What do we follow? We need to put ourselves, I love this picture, and this is just stolen from one of my mentors who I think stole it from someone else. You know, this is what teachers do, right? As we hear something good and we use it. We need to put ourselves in the hallways where the Holy Spirit is active. We need to put ourselves in the hallways where the Holy Spirit is active. Followers of Jesus, I already said this, you have the Spirit of God living within you, period, okay? We receive the Holy Spirit when we become a follower of Jesus. Done. You have the Spirit living within you. However, the Scripture also indicates that there are times when we are more filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5 says, be filled. And so I think there are ways that we put ourselves in the hallways, so to speak, where the Holy Spirit is active. And if we put ourselves in a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active, if I put myself in that hallway, don't I have a better opportunity to be filled by the Spirit? And if I'm more filled with the Spirit, then don't I have a better opportunity to, to, to keep in step with the Spirit? So we put ourselves in hallways where the Spirit is active, and, and where are those places? The hallways of the Spirit, and, we, and, and there, there could be more, I'll list a few. God's Word is a hallway of the Holy Spirit. We know this because we know that the Bible is written by God, that the Holy Spirit carried along the men and, uh, that put pen to paper and wrote our Bibles down were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So these words in our scriptures are God's word to us, spirit inspired. And so when we spend time in God's word, we're in a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active. Does that make sense? Another hallway is prayer. The Bible teaches us that when we pray, when we, when we talk with God, that the Holy Spirit of God intercedes for us. 
that the Spirit is, 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 is helping our communication with our great God. And so when we spend time in prayer, when we talk to our God, and you don't need fancy words, by the way, and you don't need a seminary degree, if you don't pray much, just start trying. He hears you. He knows you. He loves you. You don't need fancy words. Come to him, talk with him, and listen for him. That's a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active. Community, being part of a church family. And I'll dare say coming once or twice a month might not be quite what God has in mind. Not, not because of legalism, not because if you come every week you earn more points from God or me, but because the Spirit is present where God's people are gathered. And one of the ways we can be in a hallway of the Holy Spirit is where we put ourselves in community, in a church family, and where God can speak to us through one another. So be in community. And then uh, the, other the last example I'll give for today is when we use our spiritual gifts. The Bible speaks of our spiritual gifts that as a follower of Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit of God living within us, and, and there's this one, they're just similar to the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit are supernatural characteristics that God is producing in me. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities that the Spirit is, is using me to serve my church family. And when we, when we serve our church family, when we find ways to serve and give and use our time and our talents and our spiritual gifts to serve our church family, we are putting ourselves in a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active. And if we put ourselves in a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active, we have an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. And the more we are filled with the Spirit, we have an opportunity to learn how to stay in step with the Spirit. And then as we become filled with the Spirit and we walk in step with the Spirit, we become, we grow in Christ. We, it's an indicator of spiritual health and growth and we'll increasingly follow God's ways more than those sinful desires. Moment by moment, day by day, as we walk by the Holy Spirit. Father God, you are so good, so loving, so merciful to us that we don't get what we do deserve and we do get what we don't deserve. We thank you for rescuing us through Jesus. We give you glory this morning. God, this morning as we study your word, we wrestle with difficult things. We are faced with the reality of our sin and how much we are in rebellion against you and how much we fall short and how much left to our own selves we would be stuck in repeat mode. So we give you honor and glory and praise, Lord, that you don't leave us there, that you pursue, that you love us to the point of, of rescuing us through your son. Thank you, God, for the cross. Thank you for Jesus' willing death so that we can find life through him. As a result of our time in God's word this morning, God, we pray that you would help us to learn to starve out our sin. Would you... Would you Help us with practical steps to get out of these messes that we're in. Would you help us put people in our lives that can speak truth and that can help and that can call us to holiness? But God, even more than those practical things, God, I pray that you would teach us to walk in step with your spirit. That you would help us to put ourselves in hallways where the spirit is active so that we can learn how to walk closely with you how to live by your spirit's power 
we thank you that as we live by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have lots to celebrate and lots to thank you for. So God, as we continue in worship now, as the ushers come to receive our giving, we lift our eyes to you. We lift our voices to you. We give our gifts to you. Would they be from thankful hearts? Would, they, would, would all those things, acts of worship, be from, from celebration of who you are and your worthiness and how much you have done for us through Jesus? We thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.